Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, sometimes I hesitate to begin the show with a video-only reference, wondering aloud as to whether or not I could pull off the shirt that Kenny is wearing. I cannot see Cody, but see him just shaking his head like, nope, you can't, even, if, even with a shaved chest, probably not. Great to be back with you for the second time this week, no less. It is episode 435 of the Anakin Florian podcast presented by DraftKings. Thanks to those who have found us on the DraftKings network. If you're watching us on the DraftKings YouTube channel, appreciate that shit as well. Like the show, subscribe, and uh, that'll help it populate on your channel or with all of the other stuff that you ingest. We hope this leads the dance as far as uh, you ingesting MMA content. UFC 293, Adesanya versus Strickland just a few days away by the time most of you watch this. God willing, I will already be in Sydney, Australia. Kempfel, what do you got going on this weekend? You watching the pay-per-view or what? Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, I was just thinking, I was thinking about this shirt. I'm looking at it. I'm going, I got some nerve wearing this shirt and not having pecs. I mean, it's it's it's, it's disrespectful to this type of shirt to wear it and not have good pectoral muscles. So I got to do something about that, man. Well, there was certainly a time where your pecs were dancing. Uh, <laughs> I hope I don't alienate a, a, a measure of the listenership. Uh, we're just speak, speaking facts here. That's the thing. Sometimes I compliment people and they're like, thank you so much. And it's like, I'm just I'm just telling you the facts. Right. Sometimes it goes the other way. The truth hurts and the kids are crying. You know, that's true. That's true. So uh, a lot to get into today. We have about an hour with you. It'll be our UFC 293 preview in earnest. Sean Sheehan coming up here in a few minutes. We haven't talked to him in a long time. Very excited to chop it up with him. And then bottom of the hour, so to speak. Brian Petrie will be with us. Seven selections from him and Ken Flo for UFC 293. So I wanted to ask you about Ronda Rousey's potential comeback at UFC 300 yeah. or on any other show, potentially against Juliana Pena for the undisputed UFC women's bantamweight title. So I had heard some rumblings, <clears throat> excuse me, about this. I didn't go with it, even though I had multiple sources, because I didn't know the veracity of right. whether or not she might be coming back. Now, Dana White has been publicly dismissive of this, and anyone who listens to this show knows that I sort of, as a fan, am rooted in a meritocracy. So when I see Raquel Pennington having won five in a row and Juliana Pena having a title shot go away due to a rib injury, to me, that fight makes a lot of sense. But I understand if one of the biggest superstars in mixed martial arts history wants to come back, 
She's on a whole different level than Henry Cejudo with respect. You roll out the red carpet for Ronda Rousey. Um, where do you stand on all of that? Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I, I like the matchup in that I think that Pena is very much a grappler for the most part. She can hit hard and stuff like that, but she's not known as this technical striker, which Ronda has struggled with in the past a little bit, right? Um, so from that standpoint of her coming back and facing someone like like Pena, I don't really have a problem with that. But what I do have a problem with is her being away for so long and then having to get right back into a, uh, a a big fight. It's a lot to ask in today's mixed martial arts world. And I think that it would be difficult for her against, say, someone else. Uh, against Pena, still, it would be very difficult. wouldn't be easy. Um, but it's interesting. I, I, I Listen, Ronda's still a huge star. She's been killing it over in WWE. Um, but I think it's a big ask as far as coming back into this sport, which does evolve very, very quickly, man. I bring it up for two reasons. First and foremost, Dana White made comments that, as I mentioned, suggested this was not going to happen. I also bring it up because Amanda Nunes retired in June. Mm -hmm. And here we are in September and there are contender types who I think would like to compete for the world title that is vacant. I'm sure Juliana Pena is one half of this equation, and perhaps that's the delay as she gets healthy. But it's interesting. It really is interesting because matchup-wise, right, a lot of people, to your point, like that matchup for Ronda. And uh, you know how I feel about it when it comes to a championship meritocracy. All right, yeah. the great John Sheehan coming up in about 60 seconds. But real quick, I was trying to buy NFL tickets, New England at Miami, shopping a price. I settle on the perfect seats. And then someone else buys them. Process shouldn't be such a hassle. Well, introducing Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the game or the UFC live event or anything else that you are looking to attend. The Game Time app, I was on it this morning. It is well laid out. You can buy last-minute tickets on there. I know a lot of people like to do that. Seat views as well. Also, event cancellation protection. My man Dave Matthews got COVID last year. You've heard me talk about this before. I was not covered. I paid for the tickets. True story. Still haven't seen the dude live. Game time, though, has you covered. None of that noise. The game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code AFPOD for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code AFPOD for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let us get to the great Sean Sheehan. You may have seen him on X.com. Still feels weird calling it that, does it not? Also, of course, SevereMMA.com, one of my more frequented websites and podcasts. Also does his own show on SureDog.com as well. My man, did you think I lost your number? I'd never lose your number. Ah, no, I, 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 you know what? I have so much stuff going on that one week blends into the next week, blends into the next month and everything. So, yeah, I, uh, no, it was crying. I've been listening in. I've been keeping an eye on stuff anyways. And you know what? There hasn't been that many judging controversies in the last while either. So no. maybe I wasn't needed for a while. Well, uh, right. And I feel like you have value beyond that. And of course, today we have a lot of things to talk about that have nothing to do with judging nor scoring nor refereeing. I'm sure it'll go down that path as well. And I do love the interesting back and forth between you and our producer, Cody Merrow. So perhaps we'll let him chime in uh, on the back end as well. Uh, so 
sometimes you book a guest on the show and and then things happen and it makes the guest booking seem even more timely, right? All of a sudden we have Ian Machado Gary and Conor McGregor getting together in Dublin. We have Kiefer Crosby making his UFC debut this weekend at UFC 293. But I don't want to start with either of those things because I felt like I was seeing on X this weekend, on Twitter this weekend, maybe fans or media suggesting that this Paris show was great, the live crowd was great, and as such, maybe not a great night for Irish MMA in terms of getting the UFC back to Ireland. So what do you have for me on that? And uh, in terms of your informed speculation, how soon might we actually see the UFC back in your neck of the woods? I would hope it would be back uh, next year, maybe in the summertime. I know that there was a, a talk or a, a look at getting the UFC back uh, towards the end of this year, not even in the last like few months or stuff, but a little bit earlier than that. I actually think PFL was an issue because they, they kind of wanted to come the Saturday night, the PFL are there on the Friday night, I believe. So that kind of... I don't, you know, I don't think they kind of want to go back to back with PFL in the same venue. And there's only one venue in Ireland really as well. So I think that was a bit of an issue and that venue is booked out. So like literally if, it, unless it's a stadium show, everyone that comes here goes to the, the tree arena, the same venue. So we're very, very much locked down in terms of that. But you know, when, when you have a year of notice or whatever it might be, it seems easier. Now, the UFC have signed, what, like three or four Irish people in the last while. It seems like another uh, few are on the way as well. They're hardly signing them to not bring an event back. You know, and Dana White has literally right. come out of my colleague Ian O'Neill asked him about it when um, uh, the, the UFC were in Canada. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. We want to bring an event back to Ireland. Then Ian Gary was talking about it and he said, look, we, we know that the playbook here, we bring him to Boston, we bring him to New York, we bring him to Vegas, and we bring him back to Ireland. So that's what they did with Connor, and that's seemingly what they are, are trying to do with Ian as well. And uh, it's it's going to be mad uh, if, if it does come back. But I, I'd be pretty favorable. I also I saw um, one of the executives talking last night about it, it being hard with uh, Paris again next year because of, uh, is it the Olympics are in, on in Paris next year? So it's going to be tough to get the venue there. So maybe that'll actually help Ireland. But I, I would be, I'd be very, very hopeful that there'll be an event on in Ireland uh, next year. Kenny, I just want to jump in here because the appetite for UFC live events has never been stronger. And you see some of these deals and Sean, I'm ignorant when it comes to this stuff, right? I get my schedule. I go where they call my number. I don't oftentimes pay attention to where exactly we're going. And oh my gosh, we haven't been to Sydney in forever. And now we have this long-term deal in Sydney, not unlike Abu Dhabi, where we will be there annually. Seems like Salt Lake City is getting a pay-per-view. Salt Lake City, Utah for three consecutive years. But I just, I don't know if it's inexorably linked, right? If Paris is some resounding success, you got all these French fighters on the rise, does that delay things for Ireland? So that's sort of why I asked the question. And I felt like I heard some or saw some pretty prominent media people suggesting this was somehow a bad night for Irish MMA. And may, well, I, I don't know what the hell that means. Well, there was two Irish guys on the card and both of them lost, I suppose. So that's kind of it, I suppose. Right. More more right. Yeah, I mean, okay. All right. Singular results. Got it. Ken Flo, sorry. Sorry. Uh, you cut me off. No, no. All good, brother. Um, Sean, you, you mentioned two names that I wanted to bring up, and, and I thought it was really cool to see Ian Gary and Conor McGregor sparring together. Uh, it was just a little clip. I would have loved to see the whole training session. Um, but uh, so it was cool to see them just exchange some moves. It was Ian Gary kind of establishing this long range and Conor being very creative. It looked like his old self and kind of bringing some new school martial arts techniques. Now, what does this do? 
I guess, for Connor to to go against some new blood out of Ireland. Do you think this helps him and motivates him, pushes him forward? And having two stars like that spar, what does that do for Irish MMA? Because I feel like this could have a compounding effect on the sport in that country. Well, you see, it's a very complex uh, thing in Ireland. We could go over this for probably three hours and probably still not break it because, look, we, we already had the, the uptake in Irish MMA because of Connor, and there's almost been like a downgrade in terms of the coverage of MMA in Ireland apart from the MMA media because of Connor, because like people right. like don't like him and the trouble he's been in and different sorts of things. So like the mainstream media in Ireland basically don't cover any mixed martial arts. Like none, like sometimes, you know, if Bellator come, they might do like a deal with a radio station and that's it. They're not mm-hmm. doing it off their own back. So it's it's a very weird position we find ourselves in, in Irish MMA. And uh, look, there's, there's some great Irish mixed martial arts media out there. And I, I feel like we do a pretty good job of, of telling the people about the, the next level of fighters. But from that point of view, I think it's I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough because like a guy like Ian Gary or Kiefer Crosby or like these people are not even really getting a chance to get their names out there to get the following behind them apart from you know the as I said again the, the MMA media doing it so um I think that's a very hard thing to kind of turn around and I, I I'm not sure if it's even possible now we if Ian comes and he headlines in the tree arena and he wins and he goes on and he wins a title maybe which I, I predicted on this show he would I, I believe a year ago and maybe maybe that's not looking as, as bold a prediction now but um maybe that will change it but I think it's interesting now the other side of it as well the other part of the question like Ian is no longer training in Ireland so he's in Kilcliffe but he was in Brazil he also trained a little bit with Leon Edwards I know he was in London as well for a while training there so I'm not sure if it's going to be an ongoing thing now maybe it is because Connor like John Kavanaugh put up a post last night oh you know he had dinner with Heist Gracie and he was like I'm here with the first champ and I would love to have the champ champ here as well but he's in camp now so we've seen Connor training uh, and he's got a couple of new guys in there as well so I'm training with Kieran Clark who's a very good undefeated prospect uh, who's signed to Bellator at the moment but he's like a good wrestler and you know, I'm sure he's in there to mimic Chandler in the camp as well we've seen him with the likes of Kiefer and Keen Cowley and others so like it looks like Connor's back in camp um, but like it also looked like Connor was kind of back in camp during the Ultimate Fighter and then it all went up in the air that December date I suppose is looming is it going to happen we will see but uh, like I f- for the first time in a good while it feels like the signs are kind of good in terms of the Connor part of it the signs in terms of Ian Gary are very 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 good they probably couldn't be any better so you know it's, uh, even though we had a couple of losses I suppose on, on Saturday night uh, things are looking up for Irish MMA again so there's so many directions in which I could go. You mentioned, I guess, this past weekend, uh, Kalen Lochran was a three to one favorite and didn't win the fight. Uh, I know some people are disappointed. Brian Petrie, you know, put his testicles on the table, and uh, well, you know that no. So the fight was changed with uh, four days' notice. So he was a three to one favorite. Then he was an underdog for the actual fight itself, and he probably couldn't have got a worse matchup on three or four days now. So his opponent on the Monday called the UFC and said he wasn't able to make weight, Yannis Gamori. 
Lipton. He was given the fight against William Gomez. Uh, and then Kellen Ockram was put in against Taylor Lapolis. And I think he was plus 150 or something like that. Just an absolute nightmare of a matchup against a way more, if people in the European scene will tell you, ask any of them, a, just a way more uh, experienced guy, tall, long for the division as well. A nightmare for, I suppose, a smaller guy like Kaelin Lockhart. He, I thought he put on a good show for his UFC debut. He's only, like, Kaelin came in eight fights into his career and his first two fights were against, like, journeymen who are, like, 0-49. So he really has only had five or six real fights and Taylor Lapinus was in the UFC before he was three and one. And I believe it was a contract or something. It was, it was the only reason why he wasn't kept in the UFC. He went over, I think he was an Aries and he was the champion there. He's a really, really, really good fighter. And, you know, yeah, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't, um, judge Kalen on that fight alone. I'm, uh, he's yeah. a really good fighter. He really, really is. And he's a guy who will keep improving as well. You should judge him on accepting it, right? Because yes. you get a lot of credit with the promotion for doing that. So, uh, well, I stand corrected. We will not penalize Brian Petrie because that was an entirely different fight. All right. So in terms of Ian Gary's ceiling, right, you have come on these airwaves to your recent point and suggested that you think Ian Gary will be a world champion. I was born in the United States of America, and I am right there with you. I have said for at least a year now, I think the ceiling is championship. You know, Ken Flo certainly has intimated that he thinks that he can get to the top five. He hasn't necessarily crossed that threshold. What have you seen, if anything, in the past year uh, to suggest that this man is not going to be a world champion? Like, I just think maybe sometimes because he leads with the ego. Uh, when you see his fighter bio, as I mentioned, strengths, the first thing he lists is ego. Sometimes I think it almost, for the betterment of him, it, it hides just how fucking good he is. And people just don't understand just what they're dealing with. Yeah, I think Connor was a little bit like that as well. Like people constantly underestimated how amazing he was. I remember Kenny, Kenny Collins, his, his first fight against Marcus Brimage and waxing lyrical about him, obviously having gone back and watched these old fights. But it felt like people just didn't bother doing that. And it was like, oh, this guy's no good. He submitted a BJJ black belt two fights before that. Oh, he's useless on the ground and all. Ian Gary did the same. He went in there uh, with, uh, with Jack Grant, who's a really good uh, BJJ black belt, and beat him on the ground a lot in the fight as well. Here's So my thing on Ian Gary. If it was a few years ago when Usman was at the very top of his game and people were talking about him as, you know, possibly overtaking GSP as the greatest welterweight of all time, when Colby was like right there with him and a lot of people were like, well, Colby would be a long running champion uh, if only for Usman. Like, I'm injuries, I think, have been a big issue for Usman and, and Leon Edwards has been a big issue for Usman as well, obviously. But I'm not sure he's the same fighter he once was. Now, if he is, okay, it's a different discussion. And for Colby as well, I'm not sure he reached that level. And sometimes as well, when you're a fighter, and I think this happened to Tyron Woodley a little bit, uh, he prepared for Wonderboy and it felt like he fought Wonderboy for the rest of his career. And I feel like that's the case for Colby a little bit. Like he needs to get back to that wrestling, wrestle, 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 rather than doing what he had to do against Usman because that wasn't the, the optimum thing to do. But can he do that? Like if those two guys are kind of taken out of the equation as high level going to wrestle him and going to beat him that way, what, like who else is really there that will definitely be a desperate matchup from like Bilal's a tough matchup without a shadow right. of it. I think Leon Edwards is a pretty favorable matchup funnily enough like the champion is probably the easiest of any of those top five matchups and when I say easiest I don't mean easy let's of put course. it that way but there's not like sometimes we we see new guys coming through and you look at Shamayev and like oh champion no problem and maybe it's just because we've seen kind of Habib do it and we equate him to Habib 
and we we haven't really seen anyone like Ian Gary. Maybe we, we could say Connor, but they're very different. And we've no one to equate him to. But like, why shouldn't we? Like, why shouldn't we look like a guy like him or even a guy like Sean Brady or a guy like Bilal or whoever it might be coming through and say, look, they're championship material. They can absolutely do it. And for Ian so far, like his ability to control fights and then his ability to kind of destroy people in those fights has just like it's just been getting better and better I know I saw a few people saying oh he didn't get the finish against Neil Magny and that's not great but I I almost think it's more impressive the way he just like took him apart and controlled that fight while just destroying him throughout the whole thing it was so impressive like I I honestly I don't know what you think but I thought the Neil Magny fight was a way tougher stylistic matchup than the Jeff Neal fight and on again on short notice I know it was on short notice for both guys but yeah I thought that I was so impressed by it. I've always look. I've interviewed Ian before his professional debut. I've always been impressed by him, but I I don't think I've ever been as impressed by him as I was after that fight. It was tremendous. Yeah, he's a totally different stylist, and you're absolutely right. And I totally agree with you. We'll anoint certain fighters, but not others. And I'm not t- talking about the keen eye of Kenny Florian. I just think, in a general sense, like Sean O'Malley. I've been saying for years, oh, he's a, he's a willing and better grappler than people want to realize. And he became a world champion without even having to show it. Now, how if Gilbert Burns, Ian Gary's teammate, fights him 10 times, how do those 10 fights play out? Right. I know they're teammates. Right. But you just suggesting that Gilbert Burns just takes him down and keeps him there. And even if he fights Bilal Muhammad, seemingly one of the tougher matchups in the division, you know, every round begins on the feet. I'm just saying I think he's closer to. uh to the elite than some want to suggest. What do you think about the potential residents in Brazil now versus sort of this nomadic lifestyle in terms of being the foundation for uh, a world title run? Uh, I don't know. Has anyone ever done it and it's worked before, but that doesn't mean that someone can't be the first, you know, GSP moved around and went to all different places, but I suppose different kind of camps and different uh, specialities, I suppose. Um, I know he was training with Charles Oliveira over there, and may- maybe if he's w- with him in camp, uh, I, I, I'm honestly, I'm not too sure. I'm really, really not too sure how it's going to work out. But what I do know is it's worked out pretty well so far, <laughs> you know. And if he can keep it going the way he's going, I, uh, I don't really see any problem with it. So, like, you know, I, you look at someone like Ian, who's already very good when he gets to the UFC, and the improvements he's made throughout his tenure. Just been like, uh, just been massive, I think, and it's 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 really exciting. It's like I, I remember talking on the podcast a while back. It's like, let's people used to ask, will we have another Irish um, UFC champion? I was like, Jesus, we'd be very lucky to have someone ranked again. It's very hard to get ranked in the UFC from a small country where we don't have that yeah. big gyms or anything like that, and to have another guy like borderline top 10 here basically it's brilliant so for someone like me covering it it's absolutely fantastic i know i cover worldwide as well but it's great to have someone in ireland and and ian is is doing a great job of it yeah ranked top 10 and already a top 20 ufc superstar don't at me uh you can add him sean sheehan ba on social media we got a few more minutes with sean here i know you have another obligation coming up so i'll be respectful of your time in terms of the media in your country how much can Conor McGregor's embrace of Ian Machado, Gary, help move that needle? Because I've heard Ian reference in interviews in Dublin this week, you know, getting the media to turn out. And uh, how much can Conor actually help in that initiative? Because it's surprising to me from afar that someone like Gary can't uh, move the needle in your country the way he can, uh, you know, seemingly in other parts of the world. That's a difficult question. Um, I think you might hinder us. Um, it, it, like to get um, as we were talking about earlier on, like to get the mainstream media 
on your side in Ireland, you're probably better off having no connection with Conor McGregor. Um, yeah. And like, whether you agree with that or disagree with it, in my opinion, looking at it, that's just kind of the way it has been over the last few years. Like the, and, and actually, to be fair, like you don't even need an association. All you need is an association with mixed martial arts. And it's changed massively because like when Connor came and headlined in, in Dublin, like people were literally like walking down the street dressed the same with the dicky bows and the, you know, the, the t-shirts on and everything. And there's still a massive MMA fan base here. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like it was before. And like the media coverage, like, so we have like, we have the news here at, at a minute past six, uh, every day. And when a Connor fight happened, he would be on the news. You know, he'd be on the sports or he'd be on at the very start. It's not, it's not happening with Reese or Kalen or Ian Gary or any of them. It's, it's yeah. just not. Like there's a few media members out there that maybe write an article and they get it in a newspaper or on a website or something like that mainstream. But it's it's not the actual website. Like it's them going to them. Like it's it's just not what it was. Now, can it be changed around? I would be very skeptical. But like I think Ian... Ian's a smart guy and he understands things and, he, you know, his, his team are very good behind him as well. And if, let's say, so we have a show here called The Late Late Show and it's, you know, it's like Conan or uh, David Letterman, but we've only won and it's been going for like, it's the longest running show in the world, I think, like, of its kind. And it's on every Friday night. If you can get on something like that, it really helps. Connor was on it a few times. So like something like that would really help him or getting on a big radio session or getting on the TV. Like Connor, with, with the help of my colleague Graham over in Severe Mid, they had the, the documentary with Connor. And it was, I think it was, a, they had a one part documentary first on national television here and then another six part documentary. Like, all of that really helps Connor to get to where he was and to get the kind of national acclaim. Like the problem with Ian is like, let's say he had something like that. I'm not sure they would even accept it or put something like that on television anymore here in Ireland. And that's just the way it is. And maybe that'll shock people. Maybe people don't understand that, but that's kind of the way it's been for the last few years. It's very, very tough. And like, I know a lot of people, like I've never been this way now, but like I, a lot of people used to go to newspapers and go to radio stations and, you know, I, you know, I, you know put their work out there and go, can you, we get this on your, your uh, newspaper radio session? And like, it was a yes before, or, you know, maybe 50% yes, 50% no. And I was like, no, it's just, it's just, it's just not happening. Like I, during Connor's days, I used to be on RT radio all the time, uh, probably like 50 times. And I don't think I've been on in maybe like two years. So like, it's, it's a very, it's changed an awful lot. Really, really has. And it's going to be tough for Ian to get that back. It's hard to follow Connor McGregor. He's a hard guy to follow, to be sure. But I think if anybody can do it, man, it's this kid, Ian Machado Gary. The only thing that I've seen, Sean, as a misstep maybe is when he actually trotted out one of Connor's exact lines at a press conference, right? And he, I'm sure he gets fucking killed over there for that, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, oh, no, you're right. The, but the biggest thing, the, the, he was so lucky because that was just before he met Connor. And it was kind of so, uh, not the magnified, the one before it, he met him backstage and it was so natural and it was kind of cool. And I think even, uh, you know, the, the clip Kenny was talking about, it's even though it's only 30 seconds or whatever, to see himself and Connor kind of sparring a bit, that was kind of cool as well. And, you know, for MMA fans, that's the type of stuff we love. It's like, oh, you know, he's following his footsteps. And like there, there's certain fighters like Kiefer coming up next week. He's a guy who like trained with Connor and he was there before Connor got to the UFC and before he got big and everything. Whereas Ian, as he said himself, like he is more new. He was inspired by Connor to right. start 
him and man, you know, he had a, a GAA background, you know, playing our local sports here and he did a bit of judo and boxing and things, but he you know, was brought into MMA by that. And there's, there's a few guys that way now, but you know, that story for Ian is real, you know, and it, it's funny because a lot of the Irish guys are immediately compared to Conor McGregor, like, like Cannon Lochran fighting the other day, you know, he pissed off the fringe crowd and everything like that. And they were like, Oh, he's just yeah. trying to be, he couldn't be more separate to Conor, <laughs> you know, he's from right. Tyrone, he's from, uh, you know, two hour drive away from where Conor's from. Whereas Kiefer coming up this weekend, he's from the area Conor's from. He's a dub, inner city, Dublin, similar yeah. type accent, similar type of guy and all. So that's a good comparison. Ian, again, a little bit different as well. But yeah, I think um, it's very hard because like the guise of McGregor is always there. It's all, I'm sure for Canadian MMA, but look, look at Rory McDonald. Everyone you saw, he's the next GSP, he's the new GSP. It was, this, it was the same thing for him, and it's, just, it's going to be the same thing for Irish MMA fighters. And I, I think they just kind of have to live with it. Do you, know, do you know what's funny, actually? I've noticed it recently, and obviously I'd interview a lot of the Irish guys, and um, you know, they'd mention Conor offhand, and then I'd ask them something about Conor. And before, if this was five or six years ago, they'd be happy to talk about him. And now they're kind of like... Yeah, yeah, I used to spar with Connor, and then they just kind of stop the sentence <laughs> type mm. of thing. It, it just feels like people not, and it's not that they don't want, don't like Connor or ashamed of it. Or, it's like they don't want people saying, "Oh, you're just talking about Connor, and you do nothing but talk about Connor and all of that." And it is tough because there's a very tough medium. Like, look at James Gallery; he was a very good fighter, and people just always said, "Oh, he's just the next Connor McGregor and a Connor McGregor wannabe and all." When like. The reality of it, he was like 17 years old training in the gym with the best fighter in the world at the time. Like, of course you're going, you're going to be inspired or, you know, do things the way he does it. That's just the way life goes, isn't it? But um, I, I definitely do think there has been a bit of a change in, in that and how uh, Irish MMA fighters kind of carry themselves. Fascinating. I know you got to go. If you want more from Sean, you can find him on Severe MMA at Sean Sheehan BA on social media. Kiefer Crosby's a hard guy to understand. We have a fighter meeting with him coming up here in a few days. So uh, I'm very excited to talk to him, but I'm a little intimidated because I've had a hard time, at least in the content I've ingested, understanding what the fuck he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, that that hey. Dublin accent is even tough for me at times. I'm I'm three hours away from him, so but like Kiefer's a good fighter. He is a hard nose. I don't know if you've seen his fight with Alex Oliveira. One round, absolute yeah. madness, blood yeah. and guts for about three minutes. If you, I think it's on YouTube. It's an unbelievable fight. I was watching it being streamed live on Instagram Live with a camera from the uh, from the stands, and it was one of those ones like, "Oh my god, what's happening here?" Absolutely unbelievable. So he's like Kiefer's that type of fighter. He's, I think, he's opening it up against another striker. Yep. There will be blood. That canvas won't be clean. <laughs> I can assure you of yeah. that. Kiefer's in there, and his opponent, Kevin Jusay, he's a pretty good fighter as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, seeing Kiefer in there on Saturday night. Yeah, great way to open the number card. And uh, Kiefer Crosby, North Inner City Zone, 33 years of age, making his UFC debut. Hey, best of luck with everything else you got media wise going on the rest of the day. We will talk to you in about six weeks or so, if not sooner. Don't be a fucking stranger. Thank you for coming on, my man. Have a great day. Love it, lads. Thanks very much, Jose. Appreciate it. There he is, Severe MMA, Sean Sheehan with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. It really is interesting because I think Ian Gary has everything. He really does. And Conor McGregor even because of the bravado at times. People still don't acknowledge the greatness as a mixed martial arts athlete in terms of everything he brings to the table. And I think there's something similar going on with Ian Gary. When you really listen to his training partners and his coaches, and I'm sure his previous opponents, they know exactly how good he is. And uh, I think he's right there. 
he just happens to be in this division of absolute killers and a lot of them happen to be his teammates right so it's just an interesting time but uh it's cool to see him and connor align you know yeah it was awesome it was awesome to see that sparring session very cool and i think it's helpful for both of them again you know Going against new blood, a guy like Ian Gary, I think is always going to motivate you as a fighter that's been around, you know, kind of like I'm going to show this kid the ropes and I'm going to kind of remind everybody of why, you know, Irish MMA is on my back a little bit. Um, And it's just good high level training that's going to push both guys back and forth. And again, for for Ian, um, you know, going against the guy that inspired him, you know, training with him, that that's going to add a lot of inspiration as well and show him how far he's come as a mixed martial arts fighter. Anytime I was able to spar someone who was kind of my senior as I was coming up, guys been in the UFC for a while. That was always a great experience, both learning experience and also going, wait a second. I can fight at this level. I I can definitely fight this level. And that would just motivate me that much more. So uh, it was cool to see that. But I think what was most interesting about what Sean said and, you know, each media in each country is going to have different perspectives on how it is kind of skewed negatively for Connor in Ireland and how he kind of has to battle back for that and how it's actually affected mixed martial arts as a whole. Because of what you know, Connor has done outside of the cage. So I, I found that interesting, and um, you know, I, I'm sure that if Connor's able to get right back to the top, that uh, things will probably change quite quickly. But uh, we shall see. Ian's story really is fascinating, though. If you think about a kid growing up as Connor McGregor is rising, and then he starts to do judo more and more, and that was really his base, and his intellect leads the way, and so he did a lot of correct work along the way and we've talked in the past about him not even having to weaponize his cardio yet in the octagon or really have to face adversity or taste his own blood necessarily yeah he had the knockdown received from song kanan but beyond that there really hasn't been much uh but you know hey i you know sean o'malley got to the uh got to the precipice without uh having to show you his grappling so this is true, and it's a testament to how good they are in a lot of ways, right? But I think that you know we've seen so many people come up with so much hype that end up disappointing. So I, I guess for me, I just want to see more out of Ian. There, there's no question that he can be elite in that division, uh, could potentially be a champion. Um, I just want to see more out of him. But there's no question he's got the work ethic. He's got the mindset. He's more than what he's just saying on the mic. And um, you know, I wish him the best. I think it is going to be a challenge with him moving around to all the different gyms. Um, I, I think you need to do what is best for your career as a fighter. And it seems like maybe there's some other things going on, you know, with uh, I'm going to be here for my wife or for my family and things like that. And and that's great too. So long as it works out from a work standpoint, but the problem with being a professional athlete is that there is a complete sense of selfishness in, in a lot of ways. And you have to, if you want to be the absolute best, you have to do what is best for you in your career so not to say that he's not making those right decisions but that that can be a tricky thing to manage as a as a professional athlete seemingly has he has a very good support system around him i thought it was an interesting comparison point by sean Hamza chimaev 
at least even though we criticize a lot the lack of appreciation for effective grappling in MMA, at least as far as Chimaev and some of the more dominant fighters, we are quick to anoint them as future world champions. And for one reason or another, that hasn't materialized, nor has a title fight for Hamzat Chimaev. But sometimes with strikers, maybe we are less quick to anoint. And you're right, there have been a lot of hype guys, Warley Alves back in the day. So many guys over the years have been hyped and haven't gotten there. Uh, but I just think Ian has a lot of things. I mean, you could lead with his size, right? Yeah. His frame, uh, pretty good for the division. I remember yeah, cool. at times I was like, man, is this guy going to be able to make 70 long-term? You're darn right he can. Yeah. All right, thanks to Sean Sheehan, severemma.com. Well, can you believe we have had seven months without an NFL football game? Pretty crazy, but good thing all that noise is over. The NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings hooking everyone up, though, with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check out the app to see what you get. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code AFPOD to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code AFPOD only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, UFC 293 is nearly upon us. Let us make some picks. Time for the main event challenge. Let's go. It's the main event challenge. And it. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt sip smell routine or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes Wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. Sound the trumpets, ladies and gentlemen. It is horse racing time, so saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. So right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. All you need to do, deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app, not now, but right now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to 
$250 when they opt in with code FLOW, F-L-O, only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS, 21-PLUS in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on a first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. Been reading the comments. What's up, Bry? Hey, oh. how you doing? How you going? That's what the Australians say. How you going? Let's go, Sydney. Sydney week. I'm excited, babe. Let's do it. How you going? How you going? How you going? I can't how do it. Going? I can do razor blades. That's about it. That's the only Australian I going? got. <laughs> Kenny's probably really good at it. He's he's a master of uh, <laughs> uh, of uh, accents. My Australian accent is is pretty bad, actually. Really? That's surprising, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. Hey, gain is exactly what they say. And because yeah. you brought that up, it's probably a good time for me to mention. So I'm going to be doing some things to meet some fans here in Sydney. So if you're listening on Saturday, September 9th in Sydney, Delgado's launch party, Sporting Globe, King Street Wharf. I will be there from 2 to 4 p.m. I don't know if it's open to fans and open and free to the public, but figured I would throw that out there. And then later that night, this sounds a little bit more like VIP, I got some Sportsnet dinner, the Star Sydney Event Center at 9 p.m. I don't Shoot. know, but we're going to be out there. Big we're going to be out and about meeting the fans, meeting the fans. I didn't put that in the uh, show script, so I wanted to get that out there. Nice. Brian Petrie, man, what's going on, kid? Nice green hat. Yeah, this is my money hat, babe. I'm feeling it. <laughs> I'm dialed in, boys. This is the best part about gambling is, you know, you get shit on when you lose, but then this is three weeks in a row now that your boy's catching some bucks and it's nice. You got to throw the money hat on. I'm feeling good about this card. I know a lot of people are a little, they're not super high in this card because it's full of all Aussie town, basically city kickboxing card, but I love some spots. I think there's going to be some amazing fights. I can't wait for it. I mean, how can you not get excited about that main event? Uh, I'm ready. I'm locked in. I'm dialed in. I'm ready to go. Bang will start next week, Johnny seven days. I know you're excited about the, the bangles, but the NFL, Man, can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. So, uh, all right, we're going to get into some selections here. First, I'll update the standings and correct me if I'm wrong here. Petrie goes two and two. That included a three-unit hit on Benoit Saint-Denis. Bri, let me just stop there. You weren't with us earlier this week when yeah. uh, I called him my new favorite fighter. Yeah. So, dude, like, I mean, yeah, three units on the Navy SEAL at minus 135. Yeah. Right. We all love Tiago Moises, but yeah. uh, sage prediction by you. Benoit Santini could be a world champion. Am I wrong? He's huge. He's big. He's going to need to polish up because he was throwing some reckless strikes with his chin there and Tiago caught him. But I think his size and, and just overall being a fucking man, uh, he took those shots very well. But uh, yeah, I uh, I think he, you know fifty five is a shark thing. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to put a stamp on it right now. I'm I'm walking <laughs> away from that pick. I'm walking away from that, Johnny. I'm not doing it. So I would not do a tattoo bet. Like if Benoit Saint-Denis wins a championship, I'm going to get the French flag tattooed on my neck. I wouldn't do that because I think he has a great chance to win a world title. He is absolutely frightening. You mentioned just just being a man. I mean, leads the league in being a man. And I'm not sure that's enough to win a world title. But um, my my goodness, right? Three units. Yeah. Yeah. Yup. Yup. Three units on Benoit Saint-Denis. So. Uh, a two and two week for UBP plus two hundred dollars <laughs> minus thirteen ninety three. 
Team Flory, and also two and two, but you did lose three units on Sergei Spivak. Oh, so it's minus 300 week for Ken Flo brings you to minus 29. So close. 48. <laughs> it's a close and that fight, brings man. us so close. to UFC 293 Odessanya versus Strickland live from Kudos Bank Arena, Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Oh, pay-per-view week. Pay-per-view week. If only it was yeah. close. Seven picks from the fellas today, ladies and gentlemen. All of these odds, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook, we begin with a featherweight prelim that just so happens to double Ken Flow as my favorite fight on the card. For Jack Jenkins, minus 205. Chepe Matascal is plus 170. Jenkins came off Dana White's contender series. Bry 2-0 now mm -hmm. in the UFC. Coming off a split decision win over Jamal Emmers. That came after he fought a very game Don Shanus in his UFC debut. Now he draws recent Anakin Florian podcast guest Chepe Matascal. BP, which way are you going? Kid! So John is is uh, contractually obligated not to pick or bet on fights, right? You know that makes sense, right? But I know if if John Anik could place a bet, he's going to the window at this dog for Chepe. This is his guy. He was so excited for him after Trevor Peak fight. But we all know fighters can look good against Trevor Peak. I'm big on Jack Jenkins. I think this kid is. Solid. I think his leg kicks are nasty. I want to see a little more finishing ability. He's had some guys out on their feet, and he just didn't put it to the gear. I don't think he's going to finish Chepe. Chepe has been finished in the past, but he's a solid prospect, solid fighter. He's got his gamemanship. His losses are against all good guys. But Jack Jenkins, I think, is just it's, it's his time right now. I think he's athletic. I think he's good. I think he's good everywhere. I don't think Chepe, who landed four takedowns on Trevor Peak, I don't think he's landing. Maybe one takedown on on uh, on Jack Jenkins. I think Jack Jenkins is gonna piece him up with the leg kicks. I think it's gonna be a fun fight. I think Jack is probably gonna win a decision here. Uh, yeah, give me Jack Jenkins there. Sorry, Johnny. No, I mean Chepe Matascal wowed the hell out of me. Obviously, yeah. in his UFC debut against uh, Trevor Peak, so much so that we booked him here on the Anakin Florian podcast, and we don't book a lot of fighters. Remarkably, that was not the fight of the night. Uh, but I'm also, I am a, a, a card carrying member of the, uh, of the, of the Jack Jenkins fan club. There you uh, go. I'm the secretary. Right. I'm the secretary of the Jack <laughs> nice. Jenkins fan club. Nice. So this is a tough one for me. It's the fight I'm most looking forward to. Uh, Ken Flo for Jack Jenkins, minus 205, Chepe Matascal, plus 170. Which way you go? Yeah, very interesting fight. I, I think that's going to be exciting. I don't think there's any way that it's not going to be exciting. And I think Brian hit a lot of key points that it, I won't. Uh, try to repeat. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, Mariscal does have a recipe to maybe steal the fight in that he's got to make it nasty. And he definitely knows how to get in there, get to that clinch and uh, kind of use that dirty boxing, those elbows, those short knees and, and make it nasty against the more technical Jack Jenkins. Can he do that, though? I think it's going to be very difficult. Jenkins, I think, is very good at keeping the proper range throughout the fight. And uh, as Brian said, I will highlight this. Um, his leg kicks are the things that really stand out for me. And that is going to immobilize or at least take away a lot of the mobility and speed of your opponent. Uh, and then from there, you kind of pick them apart. Take take away the things that they walk on uh, and then beat them up. And that's what Jack, I think, is very good at. Um, and yeah, I think even in the grappling realm, I think he's got the advantage there a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm on Jenkins as well. I'd like to put uh, three units on Ooh, that. Well. There you three go. units on Jack Jenkins Done. at minus 205. So that's a $615 wager from Ken Flo to win 300 bucks. And thank, thankfully, Ken Flo didn't compete in the era of calf kicks, but you know, he's built, built like such a hoss yeah. that uh, 
I don't think it would necessarily have been a been a problem. It's a mental toughness equation for a lot of people too, and uh, Kenny had that as well. So, uh. <laughs> oh, all right. Man. Featured prelim, at least as it stands right now on the card at UFC 293 at light heavyweight, Black Jag, Carlos Alberg. By the way, greatest nickname in UFC history debuts on one of these cards. Let's see. Who is it? It's uh, I think I know who you're talking about. Chuck Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Chucky Buffalo. Yep. 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 Right? Yeah. Chuck yeah. Buffalo. Great Former name. bison rancher. His nickname is Chuck Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. If he wins a fight, I'm not going to be like Charlie Radke by knockout. It's going to no. be hoping I don't cuss and just being like Chuck Buffalo. <laughs> what does that mean? Like ground Chuck beef Buffalo? I mean, my goodness. What a stud. <laughs> Cody's like Chuck uh, Chuck Buffalo Roams. Yeah, there are mm-hmm. a lot of good ones out there. Chuck Buffalo. All right. I got a little sidetracked. <laughs> Featured prelim. Black Jag. Carlos Ulberg. Is this where I was? Minus 278. Yes. Taking on Da Woon Jung. Plus 225. Albers won three in a row, four in a row actually overall, but the last three by knockout. Mm-hmm. Taking on Korean top teams, Da Woon Jung. Brian Petrie, your mic's hot. Who do you have? I like this fight. I like this fight because I feel like I got a strong lean on it. Da Woon Jung is, is a solid fighter, but I feel like he just doesn't do enough. He's, you know, he's he's inconsistent. He's got abilities to win, but on the feet, he's a definitely liability. He can knock you out and stuff like that, but he also gets knocked out. I think mentally right now, he's not in a good spot. And then you flip it to Carlos Olberg. Boys, hide your wives, hide your girlfriends. This guy is good looking, right? My wife is not watching this fight, 100%. But he can also I just can, say, Brian? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Like seeing the way women react to him, it's like, man, it makes us all feel just so bad about it's ourselves. Crazy. Like, yes, I'm. He's a track like, geez, man. It's well, like technically I can we're see, both like even black women blush and I can see it. It's crazy. <laughs> technically, we're both men, but he's a different kind of dude. I mean, he's turning down the Australia bachelor. He's like, I don't need that shit. Right. I love this guy. And since his debut where he came out and threw like 100 fucking strikes round one, gassed himself out, lost. He's really dialed it in. And I love that his whole camp, his whole team was in camp with them, right? Getting ready for this fight. And I think this is a great fight for him. I think he's going to go out there. I think he's just show up. He's super athletic. I think Dong Wunjun is going to maybe want to wrestle, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Hollis Oberg is just too, too quick, too fast. And again, he's picking his shots really, really well, which is the big takeaway for me. He's still throwing a lot of volume, but when he goes out there to try to kill you, put you away, it's very good shot selection for a guy. He's only got nine fights, right? So I'm going to follow Kenny because Kenny's big dick in me with the three units. I'm throwing three units on Carlos Olberg right here. Uh, I feel like I got a good uh, good locked in uh, how this fight's going to go. So give me Carlos Olberg. Give me by finish as well. I'm going to do that. I, I, obviously not in our purposes, but I like him big here. I think he's going to blow the roof off the place. Three units on Carlos Alberg minus 278. You learn to li- Cody, you learn to live with it. You know, like with respect, Cody, I've never seen women swoon over you, swoon over you the way they do Carlos Alberg. Not even close. You got nice blue eyes. You got nice blue eyes. I let the first time Cody acknowledge his own looks the first 20 times go. That time I had to publicly call That's him great. Out. That's great. All right. Ken Flo, Carlos Alberg prohibitively favored, some might say, Minus 278, Dawoon Jung plus 225. Dawoon Jung has lost two in a row. Did start his UFC career 4-0-1. Which way are you going? Cody, you're going to have to get get out in the sun, bud. You're going to have to get a little <laughs> bit more sun. You look at that little rigor mortis look. It's not going to compete with Olberg's golden skin, my friend. <laughs> All right, get Just out in the sun. Get a little color. Come back and talk. <laughs> <laughs> 
right, here we go. I love it. All right. Uh, yeah, Olberg's a problem, man. Listen, I, I think that uh, when you when you get a guy who has you know good power, but also is pretty defensively sound, going against a guy like Doan Jung, I think you're going to have some issues. I, I think uh, Doan Jung he can knock you out, like Brian said, but I think he's a little bit too vulnerable. Not as defensively sound when he gets in trouble, it tends to decline very quickly. Um, and against someone like Olberg, who is very solid all the way around. I, I think it's too much of a liability, and uh, I like Olberg here as well. Uh, I'll, I'll put the remaining units that hey. I have plus two on it. So we are aligned on that, Brian. I love it. So, Kenny, were you there when Carlos Olberg finished Ihor Potieri and Charlotte? Did you see that live uh, yep. back in I sure May? did. I yeah, sure so did. you see it live, you'd probably bet in, in the next fight. All right, pay-per-view main card opener. Sorry for popping the peas there. Tyson Pedro, minus 130. Anton Turcali is plus 110. So, Bri, Pedro coming off a split loss to Modestus Bukowskis at UFC 284 in Perth back in February. I did think that Bukowskis was the rightful winner there. Mm -hmm. Uh, That came after a 2-0 2022 for Pedro. On the other side, the pleasure man, Anton Turcali out of Sweden, made his UFC debut on short notice against Jailton Almeida. There are easier draws than that. He's 0-2 in the UFC and likely staring at a must win here. Your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm going to do a bit here. Uh, I just got a text from Dog the Bounty Hunter. They're looking for Anton Turcali because he's dog. Lock him up, baby. He's a dog. <laughs> he fought Jalton Almeida and Vitor Petrino in his debut. Give the guy some break. <laughs> the right. pleasure man, full of confidence. If you remember the contender series, he's looking at the camera. He's doing points and shit, right? The skills need to catch up to his confidence, but Tyson Pedro, it's cool that you come in and you beat Ike Villanueva and you beat Harry Hunsucker. That's cool. Then you drop a very unspirited decision to Modestus Bukakis. I think Tyson's best path to victory is taking this fight to the ground and landing some kind of submission. His striking is still far behind. He's aggressive out there. Cardio, a little bit of a problem, but Anton has been in there with two guys, two big Brazilians that have taken him down and pounded him out. He's learned from that. I think that he's athletic. I think he's good striking. And when you're giving me a plus number against Pedro Munoz and they're not Harry Hunsucker, I'm good to take the bait. I'm good to take uh, Anton Ticali here. No shots at Harry. Uh, maybe a couple shots at Harry. Sorry, Harry. <laughs> but give me Anton Ticali. I do have his bio here somewhere on which he explains why his nickname is the Pleasure Man. Ken Flo, you like the Pleasure Man, Anton Turcali, plus 110, or Tyson Pedro for you? Yeah, I, listen, I, I totally get why Brian's going with him. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think there's a lot of value there. I think that um, Tyson Pedro's last fight against Bukowskis was a head-scratcher, man. I, mm-hmm. I, I did not get that at all. I thought he looked terrible. Um but I don't know. I, to me, it seemed like there was something else going on, whether it was indicative of an injury or whatever it was. Um, it, it didn't look good. I think that the fact that they're fighting here in Australia, I think, should give him a lot more motivation. And there are times where Pedro in other fights uh, looks phenomenal. Other times he doesn't. Uh, so uh, maybe a little bit of a risk, but I do want to go the opposite way of Brian here on some of these fights. So I'm going to go with Tyson Pedro here. I think he needs to get those leg kicks going. He's going to have to stop those takedowns, maybe hit some of those takedowns as well, because Anton is a bit of a tricky striker as well that um, I think he's he's very creative. You're going to have to watch out for um, again. Great value there. I'll, I'll stick with Pedro, though. Yeah, probably good to go oppo at some point. I mean, there are several UFC shows the rest of the way, but if you do want to avoid smashing a glass bottle on your head at year's end, probably good to go oppo. I, can you imagine like if like you need a couple stitches 
or whoever pays this off needs to go in like, honey, I got to go to like Charlotte Medical and I just have to get a couple stitches on my scalp. Cody has very kindly said he's going to take both shots for me. So that was really oh, great. Oh, yeah. Nice. Cody, yeah, that's, 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 Cody. that's great. Cody. Would. <laughs> I definitely am taking one for uh, Petrie if somehow uh, this comeback. So I'm reading off of Anton, the pleasure man, Turcali's UFC bio. When and why did you start training for fighting? I started at a very young age to steal girl, girlfriends, and that led to altercations. I had two Classic. alternatives. I had two alternatives to stop stealing girls or learn to fight. It's obvious what path I decided to go. Guy knows chicks, man. He knows chicks. Hey, motivation. Do you have any heroes? Do you have any heroes? My hero is myself in three years' time when I'm the first ever UFC champion from Sweden. What was your job before you started fighting? Full-time lover. Wow. All right. The pleasure, <laughs> the pleasure man. man. The pleasure man. The pleasure man. I love it. All right. At heavyweight, Justin Taffa. Minus 238. Austin Lane is plus 195. This is a rematch. As many of you know, first fight was in Jacksonville where Lane lives and trains. I poke. Ended things after just 29 seconds. Now they will be in Sydney. So Justin Taffa reps Brisbane. But Brian, he was banging Mm -hmm. on Jacksonville, Florida pretty good when he was Mm -hmm. asked at his media scrum about the city. So I'm excited to now ask him about this change of scenery as he goes from Brisbane to Sydney to try to win this fight. And uh, he's a pretty big favorite here against the uh, former NFL fifth-round draft pick, I believe, Austin Lane. Which way are you going here, Kit? Yeah, Toff was pissed off. I mean, he's mad. I mean, he he thought it was on purpose. His team thought it was on purpose. The eye poke, I mean, the post, the so, I mean, I think he's calmed down now, but this is something he's wanted bad and he's getting in his own backyard. I'm happy for him. Uh, the first fight was 29 seconds. Austin Lane, I love his mental, right? This guy got knocked out. Career over, right? No, he goes out there and he wins. Keeps winning, gets his way back to UFC or contender series, back to UFC. Big, tall, long-rangey guy. Um, I didn't love the way he moved that well when when Toff was very patient. He only threw a handful of strikes in 30 seconds. I can only cap so much. But I didn't love the way he moved with his head. I think Toffa, if he touches anybody, I think he puts him out. I mean, that's just the kind of what guy is. Um, I wish I could bet on a walkaway KO, just like his brother Junior did against Parker Porter, the steakhouse a few weeks ago. I wish I could bet on that. That's probably not going to be a line. But uh, give me Toffa by knockout. I'm not overly confident, if I'm being honest with you, because I feel like Toffa may be – I don't know. I don't. There's a feeling that Austin Lane could surprise here, but I do like Toffa by knockout. That's how I'll probably play this fight. All right, Justin, top of minus 238. Austin Lane is plus 195. Kenny Lane now 35 years of age. Pretty incredible story of perseverance. The NFL dream can end quickly. It sort of did for him. He was then on season two of Dana White's Contender Series back in 2018. He gets knocked out by Greg Hardy. Five years later, gets to the UFC and then pokes Taffa in the eye 29 seconds into his UFC career. Now they run it back thousands of miles away. Different backdrop for Austin Lane. How do you think he handles the pressure in this fight uh, on the pay-per-view main card? Yeah, his strategy should revolve around that eye poke again. Eye poke him early. <laughs> let him know you mean business <laughs> yeah. and throw smart. him off his game. He's like, again? And then, then, then you take him out. <laughs> That's smart. Can't fight if you can't see. And you yeah. always get one, typically. You always get one. Yeah. So, uh, go How get. many fighters actually do that? <laughs> Just kick him in the balls. That's, that's what we used to say. Just kick him in the balls. You get at least one. You know Can I, I mean? say real quick? Yeah. So I, in, I, in my dual shower the other day, I was showering with my son, who is five, and I was washing my hair. I do have a little bit of hair, and uh, I have a lot. I shave it, and he punched me in the penis, <laughs> and so I said to him, I was like, hey, man, like, 
for men, like boys, like that's just one place. Like you really mm-hmm. can't, can't punch unless, and then I found myself pivoting unless somebody does something mean. <laughs> and yeah. then that's right. exactly where you fucking punch, that's right. you know? Right so there. I found myself at a little bit of a crossroads, but uh, right. yeah, the rest of the shower, I'm like one eyed open, like one hand down. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I, I can see Don Eddick explaining this to Hunter in the fetal position in the corner. Being yeah. like, <laughs> I can't, right. do that. can't do it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's rough, man. Yeah. yeah. Kids, anyway. kids do the darndest things. Um, <laughs> hilarious. Listen, man, uh, my Australian accent is about as good as my ability to pick heavyweight fights here. Uh, it, it is it is inconsistent. It is terrible. Uh, it, it's a guessing game. I have no idea how to go about this. And uh, especially with these two guys that um, I, I really don't know how they're going to perform. Now, Tafa, has got, I have a little bit more information on him um, be, because of his fights in the UFC. Austin Lane, I thought uh, he's got he's got the link. He's got the long range tools, I think to kind of keep Tafa on the outside. He was looking good. I don't know if he can keep that consistently throughout. And you got to believe that Tafa is going to be buoyed by the crowd, uh, that night. But, um, I don't know. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Austin Lane here. You know, um, I'm kind of throwing dice here, but I think Austin Lane, if he's able to stay disciplined, um, and, throw the right strikes, keep him on the outside, frustrate Topper for a while. I think he can do well. Uh, so, yeah, let's go with Austin Lane. And by the way, you can get a listener of the Anakin Florian podcast to come on the show and break a bottle over their head in your place. There we go. Okay, got it. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of people would do that for Kenny. <laughs> yes. Sign right, up, I'm gonna have, we're gonna, We have three selections to go, Kenny. I'm going to have a little sucralose before we get to this next one, if you'll indulge me. Just a sip of this Gatorade Absolutely. Zero, little sucralose. <laughs> All right. Featured bout in the men's flyweight division. Kenny's going to lead us off here. Manel Cop 395. Felipe Dos Santos, I like this kid, plus 310. So the number 10-ranked Manel Cop was to face fifth-ranked Kai Cotta France. Instead, it'll be Charles Oliveira's talented teammate, the undefeated Felipe Dos Santos. He turns 23 the day after the show, September 11th. Was born September 11th, 2000. Ken Flo Cop has won three in a row. Instead of being in a Closer fight, at least on paper, against Kai Kata France. He's a near four to one favorite uh, against Felipe Dos Santos. Who do you have here? I do think there's some value here on Dos Santos. I, I think he's a talented kid. I, I think it's tough for him to go in against someone like Cop, who I think largely remains very, very disciplined throughout the fight. And I think that there can be some close spots in this one. Um, you know, the the odds are um, pretty big for Cop here, but. Uh, I, I like Cop. I, I, I think that um, he's getting close to where he needs to be in the UFC. I think he's very motivated at this stage of the game. He's finding way more consistency. I like the way he's putting it together now. He's fighting with way more confidence. Uh, Dos Santos um, is explosive. He's got some good skills. Um, but I don't know if he's got that complete game and that experience to be able to contend with someone like Manal Cop. So I'm going to go with Cop here. Last fight for Manel Cop, December of last year, Bri. He has won mm-hmm. three in a row, but a lot of fights have sort of gone by the boards as such, a little bit out of sight, out of mind. Your thoughts on him here uh, against Felipe Dos Santos? I'm a cop fan. I've been I've been before the UFC. He's he's you know he's his own worst enemy at times, right? But I think he's really dialed in. He's so confident now, and he's he I, three cancellations might not be all his fault, but I think there's a lot of guys out there that don't want to fight him. They had to go to Brazil and go, hey. 
he wants to fight cop and he's because he was supposed to be Kaikar France and they get this stud Felipe Dos Santos and I think he's good but I don't think he's great I don't think he's marveled me I think a lot of those fighters that come out of Bronx's camp they all fight very similarly they're aggressive they'll dye their hair blonde which I love and cardio can be up and down and their grappling is good but it's you expect as a capper it might be on the level of Charles Oliveira which is you know that's unreasonable it's not but now cop Early in his career, problems with the ground game. I don't think he's touching the ground game. I don't think I think he's gonna play on the feet. I think Manel Cop is patient. I think um, I think he has he hits hard. I think one twenty five. He's gonna fight for a title by the end of next year for sure. In my opinion, uh, you better call the cops. Nice wordplay because uh, I'm putting two units on Manel Cop. Boom. Yeah, you're a cop fan. You got the police sticker on your car and everything. <laughs> That's Manel right. Cop. Yeah, is that That's a dad right. joke? Probably a dad joke. Yeah, it I is. Do but think I about it. his name, Manel Cop in terms of punctuating a fight yeah. because it's sort of a cool, unique name, Manel Cop. I told a dad joke the other day and I got laughs for days. You want to hear it? Yup. Okay. What, what is a pirate's favorite letter? Probably I. Kenny? R, you're muted. R. Yeah, right. Sorry. You would think yeah. it's the R, but it's actually yeah. the C. <laughs> I got laughs, bro. Bringing the house down with that one. Let's see. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Heavyweight co-main event. Alexander Volkov, minus 198. Ty Tuivasa, plus 164. So Tuivasa feels like he has momentum, even though he has lost his last two by knockout most recently. Mm-hmm. To Sergey Pavlovich last December. Here, the New South Wales local making his first start of the year against Drago. 36 pro wins, Bry, for Crazy. Drago. 10 and 4 in the UFC. Back to back wins by stoppage over Biggie Boy and Alexander Romanov. High stakes here at heavyweight, Bry. Which way are you going? Yeah, I think Volkov learned from the Aspinall fight. Aspinall butchered him, and I think he went, oh, shit. Okay, I've been kind of stagnant for a little bit. I need to get on my game. He's rattled off two finishes. He's got the height. He's got the length. He's got kind of everything. The biggest plague was his takedown offense. Ty's not going for a takedown. It's going to be a good old face punch him up so someone falls, right? Ty's got a little bit of a lettuce going right now, John. I don't know if you've seen that. Probably don't love it for you. Usually he keeps it high and tight. Saw a video of him on Instagram. Some lettuce there. I don't know if he's coming with a new look. Um, but Ty's a mega superstar. Everyone loves Ty, the shoey, all that stuff. He's an exciting fighter. He's funny outside the cage. So I'm rooting for Ty, but I just I can't put my hard-earned money or my pick on Ty. I think Volkov with the distance and just the overall game is better. I mean, we haven't seen Ty on the ground for, for a long time. If Volkov takes it there... I mean, he gets his back, he pounds him out, he chokes him out, a lot of variables. However, Ty did fight someone very tall in Stefan Struve and knock him out. So he has prepared for someone very tall, which is a nice little back pocket thing if you want to go Ty by knockout. But I just see Volkov winning this fight here and, and maybe silencing the crowd here for the co event. Kenny Alexander Volkov beats most everyone he is favored to beat. Only UFC losses to Tom Aspinall, Seattle gone, Curtis Blades. And, of course, Derek Lewis in that historically great comeback. He's about 2-1 to one here on the road against Tuivasa in the co-main. Yeah, and I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, Volkov's reach, his length, is going to be very hard to replicate. No question about that. And I think that he knows how to use the jab and stick and move. You know, unlike Stefan Struve, who really never had an educated jab, um, and that chin was just always out there. Volkov is way more defensively sound than that. And I think that his kicks are also a problem. And, and I think that's where he can really take advantage of Tuivasa here. Uh, Tuivasa, 
once he get in, gets into punching range, especially that overhand right, those overhand shots can definitely hurt anybody and knock anybody down. But I think Volkov also has a chin to boot. He's extremely tough. So if he does get in trouble, I think he knows how to battle back. And I think he's been working very hard on his grappling as well, which is great to see. He's been working a lot on his wrestling. I know that. Um, and he just seems to be fighting with uh, way more confidence. Um and I, I like him in this fight. I, I think it's going to be tough in enemy territory against Tui Vasa, who is a, a fan favorite for sure, especially in Australia. But I, I think Volkov can get it done. So I'm aligned with Brian here. When we launched the Anakin Florian podcast in 2015, that name for the show was a placeholder and we never found anything better, right? The Educated Jab is not a bad name for a podcast. <laughs> you know what the problem with that, though, is, is that it's egotistical. Right. You're suggesting to the audience. I mean, hopefully we provide an educated or an educational show here. But you were you to call your podcast the educated jab. It's like you're you're it's conceited, is it not? It's Mm -hmm. like, hey, come listen to my We'd obviously use the genius jab. I mean, we wouldn't need (laughs) right. right, right. (laughs) Wasn't there a podcast called Listen? Oh, yeah. Mark Goddard. I love you, Mark one of the best referees, one or one A in mixed martial arts. But yeah, I think he and Dan Hard maybe had a podcast oh, yeah, called yeah. Listen. And it's like, listen, like you fucking listen, right? It's like, that's one of the first things you learn in sports radio, or at right. least that I did. Never tell your callers or your co-hosts. And probably a good lesson for any young broadcaster out there, never say listen. People mm-hmm. are fucking listening. If they're tuned into what you're doing, it's condescending in my humble opinion, right? to when you start to make your point say listen it's like yeah motherfucker i'm listening okay mm-hmm. oh tell me what not, to do not that i've never listen. said it in my broadcasting career but that's something that i really try that i learned in my young 20s uh to not lead your your point with uh with listen oh, all I've right main that. event for the undisputed ufc middleweight title Israel Adesanya minus 600 Sean Strickland plus 440 we've seen some pretty significant line movement here so Adesanya beginning his second reign as the champ here, Kenny, after that knockout of Alex Pereira. It was just 22 weeks ago. This is his 11th straight title fight. I've said on these airwaves, Ken, Sean Strickland richly deserving this opportunity. He's repeatedly stepped up for the promotion, and he has won two straight now since a uh, a close split decision loss to Jared Cannonier and, of course, that flatlining at the hands of Poetan last July. Strickland can be had right now, plus 440 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Kindly lead us off in the main event, Mr. Florian. Who do you have? I'll do my best. I think that Strickland is doing a lot of the right things. You know, he's going out and training with Pereira. He, he's, you know, always game for a, a good fight and during sparring. And I think he's got the right mindset. I think he's going to do his best to try to also get underneath the skin of Adesanya leading up to this fight that much more. Um, and, and those are all tactics that you can try for and you hope that they work. But Izzy's got so much experience at this point. And I think that more than anything else, I think this is quite possibly the worst time to, to be facing someone like Israel Adesanya solely based on the fact that this is he's coming off the greatest victory of his career. Um, not only of the performance itself, but everything that he had to deal with. There were a lot of demons uh, leading up to that fight in kickboxing, in MMA, and finally slaying that dragon in the manner that he did, I think it's going to, you know, again, Izzy is already one of the most technical fighters in the world, but I think it's going to bring that much more out of him 
from a confidence perspective. Um, and I think he's going to I, I kind of just flourish in, in this kind of environment, especially against someone like Strickland, who loves to move forward in a plotting manner that is predictable. And that is tailor-made for someone like Adesanya. I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be an easy fight necessarily, and, and we've seen crazier things happen. But I think Strickland's style is kind of tailor-made for someone like Adesanya, and it's going to be very difficult for Strickland to pull this off. If he does pull it off, it's got to be nasty. It can't be technical. There can be no rhythm that Izzy can get off of. It's got to be uh, all over the place, a frenetic, chaotic type of of pace and fight. That is his best shot. Even then, it's not going to be easy against someone like Adesanya because of all the skills that, I, that he possesses. But when you combine length, intelligence, athleticism, uh, and experience, you get someone like Israel Adesanya. And, and I just don't see anybody at 185 pounds right now that can beat the man. Um, so it, it's not necessarily a knock on Strickland. It's just Izzy is just that good right now. Uh, he's not a perfect fighter. He has some vulnerabilities on the ground. And I think that's probably Strickland's best bet is take this fight to the ground, control him, outposition him, see if you can land a submission. Uh, even that won't be easy. But I think that's his best path to victory. But sometimes Strickland gets a little too stubborn. He can't be stubborn here. He has to be practical. He has to be realistic. If he wants to be a world champion, that is going to be his best path to victory. Can he do it? I just don't think think so at this stage of the game. But I love the way Strickland fights. Um, and I love I love the underdog oftentimes, you know. But I, I've been a fan of Izzy for a very long time, candidly as well. So I'm a bit biased there. But I just think Izzy's just too good, man. I really wonder how you guys would handicap a fight right now between Brendan Allen and Israel Adesanya. Now, Sean Strickland has a head-to-head win over Brendan Allen, but I know when it comes to the grappling, people would have their eyebrows raised and say, but man, if Brendan Allen can get a takedown and see how it goes maybe early on, you just never know. Strickland is a BJJ black belt, but we just haven't seen him fight there necessarily. So we had the King of Combat, Chris Curtis, on the podcast recently. I have talked to Eric Nixick, and when you ask these guys about the fight, you know, they sort of reset, Bri, and take a deep mm-hmm. breath, sort of acknowledging the magnitude mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if going suicide mission is the way to go, where you just mm-hmm. go balls to the wall, but I sure. do believe that making it chaotic and frenetic is in Strickland's best interest. Minus 600 for Adesanya, plus 440 for Sean Strickland. Bry will need a selection. Wide line. It's a wide line, and I see Cody in the chat. I don't have any info from Chris Curtis. I saw Sean's social media post. He does have, like, cauliflower ear and another ear, so he says, I am wrestling, but I'm not going to wrestle. You know, he's doing the whole Sean Strickland thing. Sean Strickland's not for everybody, right? He's his own man. He's, He's unique. People rally behind him. People hate him. But the one thing about him is he can fight. Like, this guy can land shots and he's land over 100 shots over his last six fights except the Pereira fight because he got put out right um defensively i think he's pretty good um he kind of leans back a little bit which i think is obviously on tape of all these last fights i think izzy will expose that a little bit but what i like about this fight for sean is sean's not gonna be afraid of izzy 
I feel like some guys, Izzy's starting to get the Anderson Silva vibe where people get in there and they might be beat before they get in there. Like, oh shit, I stood with Izzy for five rounds. I didn't lose or, or I didn't get knocked out. That's pretty cool. I don't think Sean's like that. I think Sean's crazy enough to go in there and go, fuck it. I'm going to go after this guy. I'm going to land my strikes and whatever happens, happens. I, I spar every fucking day. I brought in Jalen Turner and a couple other guys to really prepare me for this. You know, maybe maybe I got a shot here. I don't think uh, Sean is lacking self-confidence, which is good. I just don't know if he has the skills to beat Izzy because Izzy is phenomenal. The only hope you have to cash a big ticket is Izzy just came off an emotional win over Pereira, had an emotional stare down with Duplessis. That fight didn't happen. And then this fight feels like it got put together last minute a little bit five, six weeks or whatever. And maybe he's not up for it, right? You always you always can question that. I just beat the I just beat the my monster Pereira. I had this other guy I hate it. Now I get this guy who is a little bit of a wild card, but I think on paper I should beat him. And then that always leads in MMA in MMA history that can lead to some duds, right? But I don't think that's gonna happen. I think Izzy is just too good, too solid on the feet. I don't think a takedown's gonna happen. I think Sean should take him down. But I like Izzy on the feet. He's too clean. I think a finish maybe late in the fight as well. Something I might play to try to get this number down. But uh, I like Izzy Adesanya. Adesanya. All right. At Brian Petrie MMA on X if you want more from the kid. Any prelim selections before we let you fly? Yeah, it's funny you talked about Chuck Buffalo. I like Charlie Racky over Blood Diamond. I think that's a great number. Uh, so that will be my extra selection. And also for the fans out there, because it's pay-per-view week, we need to bring it, boys. We need to win some money. John McDessie, plus 170 over Jamie Malaki, right? John McDessie, old dog, 30 years old, has been, you know, hasn't fought most active, 85% takedown offense. And if you strike with this guy who he shows you levels, ask Ignacio Bohomundes, because that's what happened to Ignacio. Uh, I like uh, I like Medesi at plus 170 as well. I think that's a that's a that's a lock them up right there for me. Uh, but that's it, boys. Enjoy the week. Pay-per-view, Johnny. Uh, safe travels, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. That number on Charlie Radke, by the way, minus 238. And uh, yeah, John Macdessy, of course. Kemplo, did you ever cross paths with uh, John Macdessy there up north? No. He was one of my main training partners. Yeah, for yeah I thought so. Yeah, all yeah. Right, I thought yeah. so. Um, all right, Bri, appreciate your time, buddy. It Enjoy was. the pay-per-view. We'll talk to you next week. Gotcha. See ya. Great. Uh, Brian Petrie with us there for the main event challenge. Uh, and yes, Cody chimes in in the chat. I will be filling in for Dana White at the UFC 293 press conference on Thursday. So uh, that's going to be wild. We got to get out of here. I got a flight to catch. Thanks to our guests, Sean Sheen and Brian Petrie. Our executive producer is Cody Merrow. If you want more from Ken Flo, it's at Kenny Florian. Also, check out Argus Integrated Defense. Don't forget, AnnaFlorianPodcast.com for your merchandise needs. The Sydney Designs, One More Sleep, are out at millions.co, or you can just Google John Anik Millions. Or John Anik, One More Sleep, and you can find that. And uh, also don't forget Bilal Muhammad, Jason Anik. Remember the show live on the Anik and Florian Podcast YouTube channel this Thursday. Hopefully the game show's back. I need the game show in my life. Thank you all for watching, for listening. We will talk to you in a few short days as we recap UFC 293. God willing, I'll be back in Vegas. Ken Flo will be at home, and we will see if we have a new middleweight champion or if Izzy remains the standard at 185 pounds. Enjoy the pay-per-view, folks. We'll talk to you next week. Until then. For Kemp on John Anticola. Yeah. Are you sure we're not in the Boston Garden? Yeah. Now every 
time I start a verse, I break at least three commandments. Kinda like Pluto because I never plan it. I'm outlandish in the way that make the patches look like they own ranches. It's the art of war. Your blood's the only color on the canvas. And I don't mean it like a thug sense of how you can get God. Fuck being gangsta, I'm hip hop. You got it every time you walk in the label. The A and R's are nodded. Immune to your shit because I circle, circle, dot, dotted. Body heat is intoxicated. Got a beat, I don't gotta speak. Copacy start to think psychically. Make the speakers speak elitistly. Off their high horse, make an ass of their use. Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues. My favorite DJ got those in six extra L's to abuse. Esoteric John P and I'm the nuclear school. I'm Raider Ellis, nice to meet you. Show busting my styles. Egocentric, ego tripping with frequent fly smiles. DJ wants to get in the bird, he gets in the bird. And bird takes the shot, he's Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.